little Red Dawn action there. Yeah, I um, was about two seconds away from using a another clip of a guy with a southern accent talking <laughs> about how patriotic it was when the, uh, what was it, the Applebee's chicken wings commercial came oh. on CNN earlier today at the exact wrong time, but then he said a bad word at the end. He, and then he followed oh. up with the, go dogs at the end. Uh, it's close, but almost had a minute and 15 second breakdown of uh, <laughs> that moment today on CNN. Was that not the wildest thing <laughs> you've ever seen? My God. For, for those of you who didn't see it, it's just, it's CNN and... We all been watching the news today, and it's talking about how, you know, rockets have been hammering on Ukraine, and it's a serious moment. And it's a shot of downtown yeah. Kiev with uh, fire with um, air raid sirens going off, and then it switches to this Applebee's commercial talking about no one like my chicken fried. It's like a chicken wing commercial, and this guy in tight pants shaking his butt in the camera. It was, it was something. It's like it's. It's like so corporate America that you just want to puke. And that's what this guy was saying. He's like, we're not going to let a war get in the way of trying to make a buck. God. Capitalism at its finest. I mean, can't we? And here's the thing. You have to understand, like, the layout of the TV. The TV is a shot of, I think it's downtown Kiev. It's one of the Ukrainian cities. It was. And... They've got the air raid sirens going off, and then it flashes like it's a picture-in-picture of the Applebee's commercial over the top of it. So it's not like they just went to commercial. (laughs) It's over the top of the air raid sirens, and it's it's just like... (laughs) I can't even put it in words, honestly. That's pretty wild. Can we please fade out to commercial or something before (laughs) we do that? Wow, what a horrible, horrible look. Yeah, well, what a crazy day it's been so far. We've been anticipating this for a while, and, uh, buddy, it's 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 real. And I know we talk mostly sports on here, but there's times that uh, we can at least what's tell, you know talk about what's going on in the world. Nothing is so important in sports right now that, you know, we can't we have to turn a blind eye to what's going on over there. Right, yeah, it's it's wild, and it's weird to see – I guess we've seen a couple of times. You know what's interesting? I was I was on spring break in 2003 whenever like the shock and awe Iraq deal went on. Oh, I was eating a cheeseburger at the Tigers Den in Verdon. So, guess we had different setups there. We were all piled in a hotel room in South Padre Island, Texas. I don't even know whose hotel room it was. Never seen the people before, but there was about 50 people in there watching it. Um, Wild stuff. But this is – it's really interesting to see these things take place through the lens of social media. Yeah. Like to see videos on the ground and of of normal people, um, you know, fleeing in their cars with their their phones – turned around seeing the bombing behind him and stuff it's yeah um, it's it's different watching cnn or fox or msnbc like whatever you watch it's different seeing it through the lens of of that and then when you go on snapchat or you see snapchats from people that are actually there of what's going on it paints a little bit of a different picture man it's it's crazy and blaine was just sending us a um a link to to one twitter account 
I guess more than 10,000 rifles have been given to civilians to help def- that. Uh, defend the capital. It's all that. It's nuts, Anyone's man. just uh, showing up, grabbing a It's like a, a, it's like a militia. That's right. It, it's wild. Uh, I. It's already escalated, obviously, but I don't know. It seems... Seems precarious right now that things could really spiral, but... I was watching the uh, Biden press conference earlier today, mm-hmm. and I caught it right at the end. So I, I think I, I caught it for like the last two questions, and it was a complete madhouse. Like, OU press conferences now, <laughs> they call on the person, and they're able to ask the question. That was not going on here at this yelling. point. It was just like a bunch of people yelling, and it was like, oh my God, this is insane like there's no order at all in this press conference but all I could think of is you know if we had the OU beats in the uh, Joe Biden press conference earlier today someone would get called on and they would start off and say hey Joe really appreciate your time today I I really appreciate you taking out a few minutes for us today and then ask their question I couldn't stop laughing at that who are the leaders internationally who are the leaders in your country (laughs) Uh, holder, which, who's the holder? Which, by the way, I do have to get my mule shoe shot in. I'm sure uh, Putin's next press conference, he's going to say, I mean, I mean we didn't take land from Ukraine. We took it from the transfer port. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure that comment's coming at any point. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's been interesting. Um, you know, speaking of, I took a bit of a preemptive strike myself uh, I was the victim of one Yikes. this morning. So I go on a show out of Birmingham. Uh, was it on Jocks? Was it uh, with Greg McElroy and, Kublik? and uh, Cole Kublik? Yeah. yeah. So Cole Kublik texted me last night, asked if I could come on. Sure, no problem. Come on, introduce me, and then... Greg McElroy has the first question and thought it was just going to be your general, like kind of up to speed, like what's going on with the whole transition and everything. He says, are you okay with the fact that OU posted a graphic earlier this week from the, the AP that said, they were the number one program of all time of yeah, yeah ever yeah, yeah and and by the way before you go into your spiel this was based on all time AP rankings yeah like it wasn't opinion based it was numbers based fact based right so that's the first shot out of the can interesting oh, how do you and respond I was like am I okay with it uh, yeah I'm I'm fine with it. I really don't care. I'm I'm more interested in who's going to be the best team this year than I am of, you know, who who I was like that's I guess that's more of an AP question than than it is an OU question. Uh, if there if, if there's a problem with it, you probably have to go to the AP with with their methods. I I was just like, okay, is that what it's going to be? Of course it is, dude. It's it's so SEC Alabama. Like, well, we've been the most dominant program here. Like, Alabama fans, I'm sure, are smart, but they're really arrogant. Right. And yes, they've been the most dominant program here over the past decade. But there's more to college football than what's happened the past decade. Right. 
OU was better than you in the early 2000s. They were better than you in the 80s. They were better than you in the 70s. They were better than you in the 50s. Like, yeah, you've been a dominant program, but there's there's more to a historical ranking than just what Nick Saban's accomplished in, at Alabama. I, that, I love that. Oh, I love that it bothers them so much. That's so great. It was so funny. I, you know, I'm, I'm like, huh. I, if you're trying to get me to defend that, I I really don't care. I if that's what the AP wants to to put out there then that's fine. I'm I'm you you brought on the wrong guy, okay? If 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 you want to talk about the team and uh why they're going to be in a better position moving forward and like what we need to do to prepare for a transition to the SEC uh, what's going to be? What's going to work with the way Venables is is going about business? I'm your guy. If you want someone to argue about uh, the overall AP number one, scroll through the comments section on Twitter. It's an odd question to come right out of the gate with. It's right. almost like he was um, he was on the set of the Paul Feinbaum TV show or something. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of a setting where that type of question happens. If you want to ask that, fine, but you kind of got to work yourself into that that one a little bit. I think he was – I think they were probably um, – I, I don't think he knew how to respond whenever I said, oh, well, I, I don't know. I really don't care. I'm just <laughs> – I'm more interested in who's going to be the best team this uh, year. Did the interview get better after that, or did we stay on kind well, of the same course? Well, it was – the next question was kind of about – Oh well, you know, there's OU fans are, you know, for some reason thinking that OU's going to be better off under Brent Venables, which you know I don't see how that could be the case. And then I told them why, pretty frankly. Hmm. But it was interesting. Um, Feels which, like I need to dig up this interview. Then I'll uh, I'll try to find that. Yeah, they posted it. You know, and, and here's the thing, and I just said kind of what we've, we've talked about. There was, there's obviously some really good things about Lincoln Riley. There's, you know, he's, he's a brilliant offensive mind. He's done some really good things. But there was some, also some things with the way that he ran the program that, you know, we had plateaued and, you know, a, a change for both parties probably a good thing. And I think that's true. And you can't really – argue with the plateau fact and it was more of a regression than a plateau you know we hadn't we hadn't been making up any ground we had had a couple of nice recruiting years but nothing just otherworldly hovering around what I say over the last five years right at like nine and a half yeah it just it just goes to my point that he gets a total pass for what happened this year yeah. OU is one of the more disappointing teams in terms of like real contenders in college football, but no one wants to acknowledge how big of a disappointment OU was. People picked them to win the national championship. I think the game day set, three out of five of those guys picked OU to win the natty, and they didn't even make the Big 12 championship. But for some reason, that's, that's lost. It was supposedly his best team with the easiest schedule. Everything was set up, and he went 10-2. and two. I, I don't. Well, I mean, whatever. They were trying to convince me that last year was a really good year for OU. Well, then they don't know what the hell they're talking about. That's what I said. I was like, I was like, yeah, we were eleven and two, but you know, we were nine and zero at one point, and it was it was bad around here. It was not a happy nine and zero, which you know, 
That's the point. OU fans know what they're looking at, and they could see very easily that this team, something was going on. It wasn't right. 9-0 was not a true 9-0. We had just barely escaped week after week after week to far inferior opponents. And, you know, the, the point that I made is like, on a week-by-week basis – if you removed the jerseys, you couldn't. You wouldn't be able to tell who's Oklahoma and who's not. Totally, and and that is a problem. That's a problem. So let's ask Chris Landry. He's one of our favorite guests on the show. Great football mind. Um, I mean, my mind's made up. It, no one's really going to change it at this point. But I do value Chris Landry's opinion sure. on what he thinks about the change for sure. Absolutely. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Chris Landry, one of our favorite guests, will be on next. Stay tuned. We're inside the Brown O'Haver studios today. Always, always, always love when we can bring on Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com, one of the best football minds that we know. Uh, Chris, good to catch up with you. We, we called you because we need your help on something. It seems like everyone outside of the state of Oklahoma thinks that this Brent Venables hire is it's basically going to cause OU to turn south as a football program. But inside the state, we are convinced that the way that he conducts a football program, it's overall going to be a positive and kind of the right mentality to go into the SEC. How do you feel? Like, What's the likelihood that this coaching change for OU ends up being a really good one, both in the short term and in the long term? Well, obviously you never know, and I've learned this by coaching searches, but I, I am on record, and I'm even, I know I've mentioned it when it first happened, that I feel more comfortable. It doesn't guarantee anything. I feel more comfortable now about Oklahoma going into the SEC whenever that officially happens with with Brent than I do with Lincoln. I think Lincoln, I think what we saw, you know, again, and, and I'm not going to sit here and, and get on my soapbox about the national media and how, how little they really know and understand about football. They look at the result and see, well, Oklahoma won. They went to playoffs and this and that. And, you know, to me, Oklahoma under Lincoln always had a soft look to them. I thought they were good offensively. I didn't think they were. You've heard me say this 20 times, and probably every time I've been on with you guys, they should look more, they should be more like Clemson. What I mean by that is they should have great defensive players up and down in Oklahoma because that's the type of program Oklahoma is. It wasn't under Lincoln. And the reason, in my view, was because everything with Lincoln was about how his offense looked. I thought Lincoln was a really good offensive mind. I thought he was an average football coach, head coach. I didn't think the culture of the program, how he practiced, how he built the team, how he put the focus on the offense – I get it. It's an offensive world. I didn't think they were tough enough, physical enough to handle the teams at the highest level. SEC teams, you know, in the in the national playoffs. I know they played Georgia well um, in the one game in the Rose Bowl, but for the most part, they were mismatched. Now that doesn't mean that Brent Venables is going to flip it around, but I like Brent's uh, style and profile, and because. 
You know, he was the defense coordinator at Clemson. Doesn't guarantee that he's going to replicate everything there and bring it to Norman. But I think, and again, I don't know, and I am curious to see about the Jeff Levy hire and how Brent's going to play this. Because if he's let Jeff Levy run the offense like, you know, hey, we're going to run 90 plays a game like Lincoln wanted to do with him, it ain't going to be any better, and it's still going to be soft. I would think that Brent would not do that, and I would think that they would not just recruit better players on defense, but play to a style, more complementary style football that is a little bit more uh, sustainable in the SEC in a week-in, week-out basis, which, again, I don't think Oklahoma would have been as good. That's my take on it, but, but I don't know – but I say that in a comfort level about how Lincoln would have done. I don't know what Brent's going to do, but I think it's going to be better. And I think Lincoln, quite frankly, is a better fit at USC because I think that will get it done at USC because I don't think physicality, um, you know, strength at the point of attack is necessary to win. And I, I, I think he could end up going to the playoffs at USC in three years. I don't think the record in the playoffs is going to be any different than his record was getting Oklahoma into the playoffs. So that's my way too long-winded answer of how I see, you know, the circumstances. But I like Brent. I like the fact that he's been around that Oklahoma program. I like the fact that as a defensive guy, I think he understands the importance of offense, but I think he understands the importance of, hey, the defense better play hard. I, I would hope my man Teddy as a defensive guy, as a linebacker, would agree with that, but I don't know. No, I, I totally do, and, and pretty much everything that you have said is is what a lot of Oklahoma fans and people around the program have been saying since the announcement that Brent Venables has been your next coach. But you know, since he's shown up, it's it's been awesome. And I just wanted to get your take because – You know, one of the things, and this isn't necessarily on Lincoln, but one of the things that I think was a sticking point with the transition to the SEC was I think Lincoln was asking for way more resources uh, to be able to compete. And I think Oklahoma was reluctant to do that because it's like, hey, we've been close. We're, We're just, you know, we've been right there. Do we really need all these things? And I think that kind of created you know, one of the reasons that Lincoln Riley ended up leaving. But, you know, whenever they had to get a new new coach, and specifically Venables, like, that was a condition before he came here and they're going to the SEC. It's like, we got to have this. So can you tell us, like, the importance of the analyst, the recruiting assistants, and all of the back back-end administrative stuff and how much that helps the – on-field position coaches whenever they can delegate a lot of that work back into the the administration uh, office, the back office stuff? Yeah, a tremendous amount. And that is something that hopefully that the Oklahoma administration will Oh, he's already doubled the staff size. Yeah, yeah, you know, just heed that warning from Lincoln because that part is 100% right uh, right on that. It it is – I can't even, I don't know that I have the right vocabulary to say how important it is. It's just common sense. It's, if you want to look at what's happening, uh, Georgia, I mean, we know what Alabama is, but Georgia and Kirby has taken that approach. 
and he's putting it there. Uh, Jimbo's doing that at A&M. If you're going to be that type of player and you don't do it that way, you're in tr- Florida. One of the things now, now Florida may surprise folks. Their facilities. Jeremy Fuller, the athletic director, was kind of a, you know, late to the, you know, hey, I don't know facilities. We we've done this, and again, that same attitude. Um, he's starting to see it now, and they've got a new facility opening in April. But it's it is about staff, and my God, is Billy Napier building him a staff that looks like? I mean, he's got more titles for stuff. He has a guy, get this, I'm going to mess it up. He literally has a staff assistant called something like um, Director of Explosive Plays. Yeah, Game Changer. Like so it was Game Changer game something changer. like that. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like <laughs> Billy, my man, and Billy's a really good friend. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, which, but the point is, is, what does that? Where does that come from? That's Nick Saban mm-hmm. defining everybody's role and having enough people to do it. And and by the way, it, in Oklahoma has the money, and they they better they're going to get more money. That TV deal is going to be great. There's, the check's going to be bigger, but they better be ready. Like the guy that goes out and the wife is waiting home so she can buy some more shoes. <laughs> you better be ready to spend that baby because it is going to cost a lot. And let me just tell you that the boosters, the booster arm, better be prepared to get their you-know-what together to get the name, image, and last situation figured out and deal with compliance the right way. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to be happy with the results because this is the big boy league of football business. I mean, it is big-time facilities. It's big-time we got to – Everybody is breaking ground on we got to make the nutrition room bigger. we got to do – I mean, we, whatever it is, they're constantly doing that. And if you're not doing that, you can, I, you know, be in the Big 12, and basically the only one that – it, everyone will look bigger and better. And by comparison now, uh, you don't want to be the one that they go to and say, wow, this is nice at Oklahoma. But I just came from Georgia and Alabama – and LSU, yours is nice. Theirs is twice as nice. You can't get to that point, and you've got to be prepared in all aspects. And that does include, uh, you know, now the, the the people that they do. And then look, USC's figuring that out. They hired they, they specialized. I've got my cousin a job at LSU. That's a he was a coach at Virginia. His job is nothing but he's a young guy. So. Uh, they do nothing but I don't even know how to describe it. I'm I'm so technically challenged, but like like the they do nothing but put stuff on the internet that is and they got, they got twenty people working in the graphics department for internet and recruiting because that's how they it's basically marketing. It's just basically marketing yeah, the, the athletic it department is. nonstop. Yeah, yeah, but I mean it's like you know send me this stuff and it's a. Uh, an air photo shot of the natatorium with the L. I mean, I, I mean, I'm mean, like, well, what? they just do. That's what you do nowadays. That's how you communicate with kids. You better be ready to do all of that. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they will. I'm sure Texas will. But that's what you're getting into. And if you don't have it, then you kind of look like, well, okay, you're not. 
you know, we, we know what Texas and Oklahoma is, but it's not what we do. I mean, it's just other places are better. So I think all those analysts and all those things are a big part of it. And look, that's a lot of what Brent has learned from, from Clemson because mm-hmm. the biggest problem, and you remember it wasn't that long ago that Florida State was like it's Florida State-Clemson. Florida State had a problem with fundraising. Yeah. And that's when Jimbo Fisher left. And people said, oh, you need to go to Anna. Yeah, you know why? A hundred coaches out of a hundred would tell you A&M's a better job. You know why? A lot more money. And, you know, and he just at Florida State, oh, they're finally getting around to doing facilities and adding staff. They are so far behind Clemson that they can't catch Clemson unless Clemson just falls flat on their face. So I think Brent's been around at least how you do it. And I, I think mean, that's why he brought Turnip Seed. And I'm sure you know well, him yeah, from, from Alabama. Yeah, no. Yeah, and, and that's the guy that they, you know, they, I mean. Yeah, I had a like, conversation with him at the Alamo Bowl, and he said exactly what you did about facilities. It's like it's new, and it's nice, and it looks good, but it's not what we need. And they're already, they're gathering the funds to, to start it. Yeah, so maybe they need to take, I don't know if it was finished or not, maybe they need to take Lincoln's house that he was building. Turn into and a football to, office? <laughs> do, 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 well, no, do do so. You know what they, you know what Saban did. I don't know if Turner Tennessee did it or not, but one of those guys, they, what they did in Saban's lake house in, in Tuscaloosa, they took the was the third floor. Say, I forget me, it was the second or third floor. They took a floor and they they basically the boosters built what is called a recruiting room, and it is <laughs> so when he invites the recruits over to his house, they go up to this place. Like oh yeah, it has Lincoln's house. It has that in it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, okay. So that's you know, that's all right. So that's like, and like this has like a jukebox, a dance floor, pool tables, <laughs> all the latest video game crap that everybody does, and, and it's just it's what they do, and it's it's a, a a you know the whatever you got. It's just it. Look, it is. Listeners saying this is all wasteful spending, and you know what it is. But it's kind of the price of doing business today. Yep. So I think those things are really, um, really important and I think are necessary to uh, to perform in the SEC today. It's, it's keeping up with the Joneses, as they say. He's Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Go check out his website. Uh, Chris is based in Baton Rouge, but he covers every conference, every team. He's got all the information you need, LandryFootball.com. But speaking of you being based in Baton Rouge, and again, you get connections all over the SEC, but with LSU being in your backyard, I'm curious, because Teddy and I were doing a show Friday before the Bedlam football game this year. I was hearing from an LSU source that they thought they had Lincoln locked up. Teddy was hearing that something was really going on here. There was a lot of smoke. He ends up at USC, but... How did did LSU think they had Lincoln Riley for any particular period of time? Um, well, depends on what time frame you're going. I think the media did, uh, but uh, Scott Woodward was definitely interested. But he knew a lot sooner than anybody else that Lincoln wasn't going to LSU because that's when he turned his attention to Brian. I know Brian. I talked to Brian probably. Ten days after they fired Ed Orgeron, and I talked. I've been talking to Brian years about you know because I've known him from Grand Valley State days. That you know what a what a great run, and and you can look. You could 
stay at Notre Dame. And, you know, at the time he, he was, you know, was working towards winning the most games. I said, but, you know, you ever thought if you were at a USC, we talked about USC and, um, and not specifically LSU, but one of those elite programs where you didn't have recruiting restrictions. Brian used to, Brian, everybody uses the term. Brian used the term, and it's accurate. At Notre Dame, we shop on a different aisle. You know, they just they can't get the same guys because the toughest mm-hmm. thing is not just the academic requirements to get in, but keeping those suckers eligible is tough. Every every freshman at Notre Dame's got, Notre Dame's got to take calculus. Thank God I didn't have to. God forbid. <laughs> Same. You know, I mean, it is really tough. So no, they so they they really kind of circled on Brian and work Brian. Brian now I'm not. Cause I talked to him about LSU and I really pumped him. I said, yeah, you know, this would be something you really like. And look, I give all the credit to Scott and the new president. They had a new president at LSU and they really worked Brian and basically said, look, you you come here. And this is the selling point. Not just money, you know what I mean. Got money, but you, 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 you're the you're the GM. You're the you know you don't need the NFL. You, you go in. You're the head coach here. What you need, you do. We're here to support. And Brian locks on to terms, and he calls it strategic alignment, which is another way of saying you know whatever he wants, they'll support. He is he has made. 60, as in 6-0, football operations moves, like hiring new people and letting people go in, in certain roles. He's brought – so he's, you know, he's done an awful lot. And so that's what they sold him on is that you kind of do your own thing and, and, and you know, he – you know, that was that. But, yeah, no, I, I – I, you know, towards the end, um, I don't know. I mean, I, it, now the time frame, I couldn't give you the date, but, but kind of that last week – Right, right before when Lincoln came out and said he's not taking the LSU job, um, that wasn't a surprise because a, a few, I don't know, maybe a week or so, I knew that he wasn't taking the LSU job because I knew LSU had already been looking somewhere else. So I knew that Lincoln was out. Either one way or the other, that wasn't going to happen. Um, but I also had the sense that Lincoln – wasn't going to go and and I'm not saying I it, it just kind of went by me but in retrospect after it happened I said oh that's what was going on at USC when I wasn't really understanding it they went USC, quiet for a while they they, they made yeah, the move early it, and went quiet yeah yeah and that was so basically I didn't know it in real time but when it happened I said that I put start to put it all together and I said because I was with USC talking about a couple of the, and it, it did go quiet. And it was, I would say that Lincoln going to USC, I would say, you know, he says, all oh, this all came together in 24 hours. Huh. BS, that didn't come together in 24 hours. I, I would say it was a week to 10 days that that USC was getting work behind the scenes with his people. Now, yeah. I do think that in the end, when, when the, the season's over and officially over at Oklahoma and you say whatever, and then maybe get the final details. But that didn't come together in 24 hours. That was coming together seven to 10 days. I agree. Real quickly, we're up against a break, uh, but Lanning out there at Oregon, it looks like he's put together a really good staff. Um, Who's going to win out in the arms race out there, Oregon or USC? Well, eventually, I would say USC because they've got – 
the resources, the tradition, and the history. I mean, when most kids in Southern California are looking to go to USC, mm-hmm. and the program's been so bad, they're going to Clemson, they're going to Alabama, they're going, they're going, they're going to Georgia. Brock Bowers is going. I mean, it's just so. Uh, and and Lincoln's going to recruit well. You guys know that he recruited well out there when he's at Oklahoma. So I, it's going to be them. And then, but I think Oklahoma can be good. The uh, Oregon can be really good. Problem is for Oklahoma is I think it's understandable they're trying to get a Southern guy that can recruit and do that because Mario had success, but just like Mario left, Dan is going to come back the first chance he gets I to agree. the South to get a big job. Totally agree with so, that. But that you know, so that's you know, but I guess if it can build something bigger and maybe they can get. To, I mean, you think about it. You it's an easier path out there than it is in the SEC. Yeah, but he's a Southern guy. Yeah. Timing is everything. You don't think Brian Harson would have liked to end up going to Washington or Oregon over the past year, you know, with the, what is going on at Auburn now. Hmm. That that would have been a really good fit, but, you know, timing, everything. Yep. Good stuff, man. We always appreciate having right. you on, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Anytime. Take care. There you go, Chris Landry. All right, quick time out. More from The Rush coming up. Stay tuned. Citra, Oklahoma, Buick, GMC dealers, bringing you hour number one of the rush on this Thursday. Uh, let's go to the Air Cover Solutions text line, 651-3439. After listening to that Chris Landry interview, I am even more convinced that Lincoln put Eric Gray in the game to field punts versus OSU on purpose, hoping he would fumble that punt. It is odd that he put Eric Gray. I mean, that, that whole phenomenon is still odd. It's one of the more... It's got to be the most odd development of that entire Bedlam game. I don't know why he did it. We never had a real opportunity to ask him about it, I guess. Here's the thing, though. If, if Lincoln is that good at being able to figure out how to lose, he should have been equally as good at figuring out how to win, and we would never have been in, in this problem in the first place right well that goes to show you how much talent last year's team had if it's true if he was actively trying to lose and OU still had a nine point lead in the fourth quarter of that game yeah I, I would really like to have known the swing of emotions inside him on that non-pass interference call you know what I'm saying like didn't look like there was much emotion from him right it's crazy Kendall says he loves the conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah, Kendall, we love a good conspiracy theory around here. This one says, Mr. Chris Landry, under Lincoln, OU had a soft look. Thought Lincoln was a good offensive mind, but an average head coach, said Landry. Can't make this stuff up. An educated football person like Mr. Landry knows football. He is not a talking head with the makeup and made-up crowd of the national media. Love it, love it, love it when you guys book Mr. Landry. He's been I telling that us might that might go on pretty well. He's been telling us that same thing for years, yeah, though. Yeah, that's nothing new. He's he said the new. exact same thing the entire time um, about not playing to your defense and um, you know, kind of the culture behind the program. Our favorite story of Landry is whenever he was hired as a 
um, like an outside analyst to come in or consultant to come in and take a look at the Texas program at the end of Mac Brown's tenure, and he told Mac Brown it was too soft. Mac told him to take Mac a hike. Really got mad about that. <laughs> Mostly because Mac probably knew it was true, you know. Right. Well, that's it. And it's one of those things where you you know it's true, but you know that you're probably not in a position to be able to change it. Like that's one of the problems is once you go down that road, it's hard for you to ever reverse course. You can someone else can come in really quickly reverse course. That's easy, but for you to do an about face as the leader of this whole group, and then everyone can kind of see it's like, well, what have we been doing the whole time? And now we're we're changing everything. So yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like Chris, yeah, he believes that the change is is good for OU. He thinks the change is great for USC. Now, even with the change, he's not in any way guaranteeing that OU is going to go win the SEC or win a national championship or anything. Seems like his one hangup though is the offensive coordinator and what the style of play is going to be. Yeah, And I haven't really worried about that because I guess I'm factoring in that they are going to run an offense that is, you know, helps out their defense because, I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's essentially what happened at Clemson. Right. And I, I, would, I would assume BV runs it that way. Well, here's the thing. Here's the reason I'm not worried about it is Ole Miss, under Jeff Levy's play calling – ran the football more than any other team in the SEC. They are they're extremely balanced and like the I'm trying to bring up the numbers here. I know I looked at it before but um they were let's see they were the number 3 rushing team but uh that's in total yards per game but as far as attempts they were, let's see where it was. They're, actually, they ended up being at, at, totally tied with <laughs> Arkansas, 588, 588 through three games. The yards are almost identical. Um, they had more rushing touchdowns, but it's it, those are the two of the same systems, which is I think is fascinating there. Alabama, Georgia, pretty far off the, that number, but and they played in way more games too. So that's why I'm not as worried about it. And the other one, Tennessee's up there too, which is kind of a hybrid of old Baylor and kind of what Heupel's always done. Yeah, I, I think if this doesn't work out, and I'm on the record multiple times saying that I think it will, I don't think it's going to be because of Jeff Levy. Um, and I guess if I had to point to a reason, it's probably more so about recruiting. They're not able to recruit to the level of Bama, Georgia, A&M, or Texas maybe on a year-out year basis, but I, I don't think that Levy will be the reason why. You want to hear something amazing? Um, quickly. Yeah, I guess. Mississippi State had 821 yards rushing last Jeez. year. <laughs> amazing, but not surprising. <laughs> they ran it 270 times. That's half of the team uh, just ahead of them. I mean, they ran it a third almost of of the teams. Samaj P. Ryan had more than uh, half of that in one game in his career. Put it in perspective. That is hilarious. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one next.
It is the rush on the ref, Tyler and Teddy inside the Brian O'Haver studio, Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealer, bringing you hour number one of the rush. CJ Ayu, former Sooner, hired as the outside linebackers coach at Texas Tech. Uh, at one time, you were pretty close with CJ, I want to say. I don't know if you are now or not, but uh, yeah. good for him. Good I haven't for- talked to him in a while. Um, great he- guy. He showed up, um, God, when you first started, he showed up at a remote in Paul's Valley. Do you remember that? God, that would have been eight or nine years ago now, it feels like. I don't. Mm-hmm. Big dude. Uh, good football player. Uh, ended up having a nice, nice NFL career. Played for the Rams for a while when they were in St. Louis. Um, uh, really good dude. And he's been – I'm trying to remember. Did he GA – at OU, yeah, I think he did. Like 2012, maybe that that feels that feels right. I think he did just briefly, and then because he was after your era by a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played after I did, and then um, whenever I got back to Norman, he was. I think he was still in the NFL, and then trying to decide what he was going to do. Owned some properties around campus, and. Um, I think he GA'd. Maybe it was. It may have been in the strength staff or something. He was on the staff in some form or fashion before being able to branch out a little bit. And I don't remember where he went, but good for him. Yeah, good luck to him. Uh, real quick before we hit the top of the hour, you had an eventful afternoon, <laughs> it sounds like, with the four-wheeler. Huh? I did, uh, which shout-out to our friends over at Extreme Outdoor Equipment. They gave me a CF Moto four-wheeler to buzz around on and demo for a little while. And uh, I took my son. He's been loving it. At first, he was scared of it, but it turns out he's an absolute adrenaline junkie. And uh, I was pulling him around the the neighborhood on a sled behind the four wheeler all day. Some real awesome. redneck stuff today. It, what you getting, Goldsby? We were rednecking it for sure. It was a blast, though. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two is next.